Fitness Center. At our FFM Connect outside in the foyer, next to the ladies' restroom, there will be someone ready to give you an FFM visitor's packet, and in that packet you'll have everything you need to know to know more about FFM, our history, and our values in different ways you can get plugged in. We hope you can find what you're looking for at our visitor center. And for our last announcement, Volunteer of the Week. This week's Volunteer of the Week is Corey Carpenter. Why don't you guys go ahead and give Corey a hand? For those of you who don't know, Corey helps a lot here at FFM with the behind the scenes work that no one wants to do. He comes after school and helps me tear down chairs, set up chairs. He also helps me every week with the Edge Bible College setup upstairs in the youth room. Corey, thank you so much for all that you do here at FFM. Go ahead and enjoy a free drink at the Cross Culture Cafe. Well, church family, that's all we have for this week's segment of FFM News. Thanks for watching and enjoy the rest of the service. Please share that on your social media page so everybody knows what's going on. Amen. It is uh, good to be back in the house of the Lord. Uh, thank you for the week uh, to go and um, rest up a little bit. I don't, I don't know how much we really rested. Uh, windshield got down to negative 17 a couple nights. Um, we, we each had our own sleeping bag and cot and things like that. But there, the couple of nights I thought about getting in the, in the sleeping bag with Bo over there. But uh, I, fought, I fought the urge. I fought the urge. It was, it was cold. It was cold. Um, but that's all right. We had an adventure. And, and that was the big thing. See, guys, that's what we like is the adventure. My wife did an amazing job last week in part five, right? And... Her, her job and her thought process, her heart was to encourage women, to encourage wives. And uh, I hope you'll uh, grab a hold of that, ladies in the house. Her greatest statement, and I want you to grab a hold of this, is wives, you are not the problem. You are God's answer. Gentlemen needed to hear that too. Now, that doesn't give you permission to misbehave, ladies. Hello, somebody. Um, uh, but we're going, to talk, we're going to build on that a little bit. And I appreciated her heart in sharing that to us. In a sense, you're going to see a little bit how Jesus echoed, or she just echoed what Jesus had to say in Matthew 19. So we're going to move into our last sermon in this series that we've called Masterpiece. And what you don't know, church, is that for the last five weeks, we, everybody say we, we have been painting our own masterpiece each week. We've been putting some paint to canvas. Notice the blank canvas is not here this week. Today, we're going to put the final touches on it. And the thing about a masterpiece is that it is unique. And, and the, one of the reasons that it's a masterpiece is because there is only one of them. And today, you and I, everybody say us. We are going to put the final touches on our masterpiece at Firm Foundation Ministries over marriages. And this masterpiece is going to be hung in the foyer of our church. Hello, somebody. But we got some work to do. Are you with me? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, our key verse for our marriage sermon series has been this. For we, everybody say us... Everybody say, my marriage are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before that we should walk in them. We are his masterpiece. 
peace. And so, Father, I ask you to bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. Today, as we bring a close to this marriage sermon series, we are grateful for your heart poured out to us. We want to receive what you have today. Your healing power, your strengthening power, God. Your grace and your mercy, your anointing, and your miracle working power. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? You ever seen that illustration where uh, someone takes, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, super glue and uh, they kind of pour it on a uh, piece of paper and um, then they take another piece of paper and uh, they just glue it together like that? You ever seen that illustration? Maybe you haven't. Uh, Good. You just saw it. And so I'm going to do something this morning in the sense that I have just super glued these two pieces of paper together. And in the heart of marriage, since most people don't have marriage problems the day after they get married, I, I say most, most people. Uh, you know, good, good marriage counseling, if your heart is open, should reveal whether you should or should not get married. And that's the truth. Biblical marriage counseling should reveal that. And we've already been through all of that, so I'm not going to spend any time on it. But in in the heart of most people don't get divorced the day after they get married. I'm I'm just going to hand this to my wife, and I'm going to to let her hold on to this for just just a little bit. We'll give it a little time. Is that all right? We'll give it a little time. Just like most of the time, sometimes marriage struggles or crises, they... They take a little time. They don't show up overnight, right? Let me ask this question as we come to the end of our series and everybody's wondering what's on the other side of this, what we've been painting. Where, where do you feel like your marriage is right now? Right now where you're at. If you ever just asked yourself this question, where do you feel like your marriage is right now? Like, you know, is it, is it, is it, is it good? Is it, you know, there? Is it kind of teetering is it is there a struggle is there a conflict is there a crisis is those things happening like where where is your marriage great uh most guys in the room would say man my marriage is fantastic and most wives would say he ain't got a clue (laughs) let me say this to all of us your marriage will be as good as you decide it will be your marriage will be as good as you decide it will be. There, there isn't anything in the world that should have the power, the superiority, or the ability to make the decision for you as a couple about how good your marriage will be. Your marriage will be different than mine, and it should be. That's why a masterpiece is unique. It's different. You can, you can, you can try to repaint it, but all it will be is a, 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 an attempt to make it over again. You can duplicate it, but the, it doesn't have the same amount of value because it's a duplicate. It's not the unique thing. There's only one Mona Lisa. There's only one my Lisa. Your marriage is unique. My marriage is unique. Everybody's marriage is unique. 
in this sense. But the shape of your marriage is in right now. The shape that it's in right now is a result of what you have decided. It, it is. Whether financial problems cause you to have marriage struggle. You decided, right, to spend more than you make. Whether it's of any, any other crisis, you decided. And the, see, here's the, here's, the, here's the thing. I'll say this until Jesus comes back, and I firmly believe this. Happiness is not a virtue, and you should never pursue it. Happiness is the result of right decisions. Make the right decisions, and you'll be happy. Seeking happiness causes you to make decisions to shortcut a process to give you contentment and joy. So happiness in marriage is a result of decisions. And people who have good marriages are not any better than me and you. The difference in the decision or the difference in the marriage is the decisions that they have made. There are some people who have come through some horrible things. And if you knew the truth of everything they came through in their marriage, you should think if anybody should not have survived, it would have been them. And there are some of those in this building right now. But because of their decisions, regardless of what they went through, what you see now is wholeness and health and strength. You don't understand the decisions they had to make, go through to get there. The decision to seek the one with your two. The decision to fight fair. Come on, we've been through all this. Go back and listen to them. The decision to take responsibility. That's a, that's a curse word in church. I get it. The decision to take the responsibility for our created parts in marriage as a man and as a woman. That is amazing. Now, listen. I'm closing today, but I want to close, and I'm going to get there with the first statement that I made in the, in, in the sermon series. Guys that are learning to preach, you remember the circle of sermon writing. Even in the series, we're going, to, we're going to roll this thing back to where we started. And I started with these statements right here. Choices determine the quality of your marriage. And the decisions you make today determine the, mar- the marriage you have tomorrow. And if you're going to shortcut any of the process, don't complain that you don't, res- you don't receive the full benefit of wholeness. Okay? You may think that it's too late in your marriage. Maybe you're here, maybe you're listening to this, and you just think, Pastor Don, it's too late. You don't understand. It is too late. We've been through too much. It's unrecoverable. It's un- you just can't, it can't be healed. It can't put, be put back together. It's too late. But let me say this. Everybody has to start somewhere. And the somewhere always begins with we decided. A little over 30 years ago, my wife and I decided. In a minute when she was packing her bags to leave, six months into our marriage, we decided. Do you understand that there were easier decisions than the one that we made that night? Sure, there were, but there weren't better decisions. But pastor, my spouse committed adultery, and that's grounds for divorce. I'm going to give you that. But you're also going to give me this. If adultery is grounds for divorce, it's also grounds for forgiveness. 
Somebody, somebody almost helped me. Somebody almost helped me. You're going to give me that. Hello, somebody. I'll continue to say no matter what's happened in marriage, nothing is beyond the healing power of forgiveness. Does that mean hearts need to change and people need to be dedicated to Jesus and learn how to get healed and work through some things? Absolutely. Does that mean we've got to learn how to, what it looks like to trust each other again and those things? Absolutely. I'm not trying to downplay any of the wrestling it takes to get to wholeness. But if marriage, if adultery is grounds for divorce, it is also grounds for forgiveness. And we have some heroes in this room right now because they decided to stand on the ground of forgiveness. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And they've told you their testimony. It's not my job to tell you their testimony. Some of them told you some things I would have never shared in public. But they are heroes to us. They are heroes to us. And some of them are very close personal friends to me, not just because uh, of any other benefit, but because in my own life I seen that they stood on ground that I figured, man, no one, no one can ever, ever stand there. Can I say this? You can't do anything to change your spouse. Not your job. Not your job. It's not your job. But you can, you can change you. And, and I need to be there. And let me just say this to us today because I want you to understand that the title of my last sermon in this series that we've called Masterpiece is United Versus Untied. And the difference is one letter. Out of place. I, in the proper place, read United. I, in the wrong place, equals untied. You can't change your spouse, but you can change you. And the question is, are you committed to being united, or are you willing to be untied? And the whole thing is predicated on what position I wants to stand on. I'm helping you, Brendo. I'm helping you. Some of you young people aren't married yet. You need to pay attention. Because you're going to marry the love of your life. And then you're going to run into a train wreck. Let me tell you why. Because the devil hates marriage. He hates its symbol. He hates God's power through it. He hates that the gospel is shared through it. He hates that the promise of God is shared through it. He hates that the kingdom of God is represented by it. He hates everything about marriage. And you might think my little illustration about united or untied is silly, but it illustrates a marriage truth that all of us need to get a hold of. No matter what happens in marriage, if I is not in the right place, you will become untied. Jesus or no Jesus. And you've got to let your fears that your marriage might not make it motivate you to action. You see, that's why those heroes who sit in the room here who were in the same place that my marriage might not make it, see, their fears, they had the same fears that everybody else did. They were, they were worried about what will become of me. How did we get to this place? This was never our plan. None of them stood at the altar as they were saying their vows and thought one day we're going to go through this dark time. None of them thought about that. 
None of them planned that, but it happened. But they all chose in a moment to stand in a place where they would stay united and not become untied. And they allowed that standing to motivate them to action. I don't have all the answers. But I can pray and love you. But here's the deal. Every one of those people who wound up in my office, who were, who were afraid that their marriage wasn't going to stay, who spent some time with my wife and I, or any of these elders who work inside of marriage and counsel and walk with people, every one of them that got better walked into that room, made no excuses, and says, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Yeah. And they got better. Yeah. Those who don't get better, they refuse to listen to counsel and godly advice. And I'm just going to say this to you with all the love that's in my heart. <laughs> that attitude is what got you where you're at. Come on. I remember Pastor Rick looking at me literally over his glasses in the McDonald's in Chipley, Florida and saying, you're the most selfish man I've ever met in my life. Why don't you go home and love your wife and watch what God will do? Everybody should have a pastor like that. Especially if it saves your marriage. My benefit was I was raised by a, discipline, uh, a military man and I understood discipline. And you, I, you couldn't tell him no. You didn't say no. You did what you were told. And so when my pastor told me to do something, I, I didn't know you could tell the pastor no. You, I, I just did what I was told. Because I wanted to be united and not untied. And it meant that we had to learn to embrace grace. And, and, and embracing grace has nothing to do with embracing bad behavior. But never giving up means being honest about where you are and what's happening. And here's a side note. Let me just bless some of you in here because I love all of you. And I realize not everybody in the room is married. I realize not everybody in the, in the room may be experienced a miracle of, of their marriage getting saved. Maybe you've been through the brokenness of divorce and those type of things. And if you've already experienced the end of a marriage, can I just say this to you? Today is a new day for you. And if you're in Christ, he doesn't condemn you and neither do we. Don't keep hanging on to the guilt of that past. Can I say this? If you're in that position today, John chapter 8 and Romans chapter 8, I, I can't read your Bible to you and I can't study your Bible for you. But if you've already experienced that, John chapter 8 and Romans chapter 8, they're for you. They're for you. And I, and I would challenge you as a person who maybe has experienced the, the, the struggle, the pain of divorce and separation and the brokenness of that. I would challenge you to sink yourself into those two chapters in the Bible. Be, be relieved. Be delivered from guilt and shame. And embrace grace. Whatever your part was in, the, in that loss, you just got to accept the responsibility and, and, and embrace mercy and grace and forgiveness. That's where your path of healing begins. Can I say that? Yeah. Well, maybe you're married and you've been listening to the series for the last five weeks and it's caused you to realize that, 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 that there are some things that you've done wrong in your marriage. Listen, there isn't one person in this room who doesn't realize all the things we've done wrong. 
Come on, somebody. And, and no matter what you do today, you can't change the past. So the focus needs to be on what can I do from this day forward. And that, and your marriage vows. From this day forward. That's my focus from where I'm at. I'm asking for forgiveness for everything, every mistake I've made. And from this day forward, that's the idea of repentance. That's what forgiveness means. It means moving on from what I used to be and how I used to act to who I need to be and how I'm going to start living now. It doesn't mean repeating the past. It doesn't give you permission to do That's not what grace does. Grace transforms us to live above the past. It never gives us permission to repeat brokenness I mentioned Matthew chapter 19 and if you'll give me a minute I would love to just go there I I realize that we are pushed for time because I've got something I want us to do at the end of this message but Matthew's gospel and 19 the Pharisees tried to trap Jesus, and maybe you're familiar with this particular chapter because it's, it's where Jesus, your heading might say the teaching about divorce and those type of things. But Matthew chapter 19, and when Jesus had finished these sayings, verse 1, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond Jordan. A large crowd followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees came. Notice this religious crowd. I, I want to understand. I just want to say this. To every religious person who condemns me about my past, I just, I just got one word, one question. How did you escape? See, the difference between me and you is I'm honest and transparent about my past. I was an idiot. You pretend like you weren't. You pretend like you don't need Jesus. I'm the one confessing I need all of him. Hello, somebody. Pharisees came up to him, these religious people, and tested him by asking, of all the things they could test Jesus about of his teaching, guess what they went after? Marriage. Yeah. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, Ooh, ooh. I love it when Jesus answers the question because he has a way of not worrying about your your fickleness and your question and answering the issue of the heart. And he answered, have you not read he that created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, what therefore God has tied, let no man separate, let no man untie. you might not realize is that sometimes in the Old Testament when a, 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 a believers would get married, the priest would, would cause a cut in each hand of the husband and the spouse and they would bleed and he would join their hands and he would tie their hands together so that their blood would mingle. You ready, Breno? Breno did not give me a pocket knife at his wedding. see the culture of the day saw women as property see that's why you ladies should have loved Lisa's message last week 
She talks, when the Bible says that woman is the glory of man, it's right in your Bible. There's no trick Bible to that. That's exactly what it says. God intended that man had a problem. He was alone. It was not good. The only thing in all of creation that God said was not good was not man, but the fact that he was alone. He didn't have anybody to relate to in this way. He had God to relate to, but God said it's not good that he does. And so as an answer, and that's why I love that God loves answering problems. As an answer, God didn't just say, well, I'll just spend more time with Adam. God said, I will create for him a help meet. Not a help mate, ladies, you aren't a breed cow. Stop that. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you're a help mate. You're a help meet. You're the answer. Oh, so good what she said, and you just... You are God's answer to the issue. You are created uniquely like nobody else. That's why we tell young ladies, listen, don't cheapen your value with a man who's not going to honor you with the covenant of marriage. He doesn't see you as the answer. (laughs) I could go for a while. Come on, young ladies, you got to own your worth. You got to own your worth. Young ladies, you got to own your worth. And if some guy is coming up to you and is trying to cheapen you, put him off the road. He don't love you, he loves himself. And as soon as something goes wrong, guess what he's going to do? He's going to do just like Adam. That woman is the problem. God came and said, Hey, what's happening? And what did Adam say? The woman was the problem. God said, No, 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 no. She was the answer. You just didn't lead her properly. I got, I got more. I got so many more sermons. I got so many more sermons. The Pharisees tried to use the law, but Jesus wasn't having any of it. He didn't answer the question. Instead, he raised the value of a wife. United versus untied. United versus untied. The law never gave you the right to untie what God has tied together. Why is divorce so painful? Remember that? Remember that piece of paper? Come on, our marriages are a little older now. It's not. (laughs) That would have been bad. Now, if I try to remove these two pieces of paper together... You know what's going to happen, right? Why is divorce so painful? It's like trying to remove two pieces of paper. It's not possible. And you know what? No matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I try, all I'm going to get is something that's torn and broken. Can I say this to us? Divorce is never the answer. It doesn't solve the problem. It leaves us broken and torn. Can we be healed? Can we go? Can, come on, some God's mercy and all those things. Listen, I, I want to move to that. But I'm going to give you this illustration, right? All you have is something less than. I'm preaching, but y'all, y'all are quiet. You ever seen family and friends go through it? Come on. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And I got one or two. Y'all want to read some emails? I got one over preaching a marriage sermon series. I love it. You know when you've upset the devil that you're on the right track. 
You hello somebody. You just know it, right? What we have is mess and destruction, and the result will never be two complete holes. It's just two tattered pieces of people. And see, the reason we have a hard time is because we don't really understand what marriage is. The reason we want to redefine it, the reason we want to, we want to take ownership of something that was God's idea. And therefore, we equate marriage as a contract. And to us, in our mind, a contract is what? You give me this, and I'll give you that. That's a contract. And as soon as you don't give me this, then I don't give you that. That's a contract, right? Wrong. There's a huge difference between covenant and contract. Covenant is based on mutual commitment. Contract is based on mutual mistrust. I don't trust you. You know what contract does? It limits my responsibility but adds my benefit. Man, that, I just violated every one of y'all. My papers are all glued together now. So, this. You see, we trust each other as long as we both stick to what we said. And either one of us doesn't do our part of the contract, then we have legal permission to back out of it. Unfortunately, that's the idea in our culture. As long as you make me happy, as long as you meet my needs, as long as nothing better comes along... Then we'll stick it out. But if any point I decide that you aren't living up to your part, then I am out. The I is out of place. United, untied. You see, the problem is we're out of gas. Come on, let's just be honest. You ever felt like your marriage is out of gas? Come on, no matter how hard you turn that, it just ain't running no more. It won't even turn. Oh, the battery is, come on, somebody. It, it ain't starting. It ain't going nowhere. It's nothing. You know, being a pastor, I've heard all the reasons people give for why they want to get divorced. I'm just not happy. I just don't trust them. They changed. Then there's the classic. I just don't love them anymore. Can I say this to you? Deciding you should get divorced because you've run out of gas in your marriage is like selling a car because it ran out of gas. If your marriage is love low, pull over. I said if your marriage is love low, if it's out of gas, pull over. Stop traveling, find the gas station, and fill it up. Do you know to fill your car up, you have to stop where you were going. You have to stop what you were doing. And you have to wait the time it takes to fill it up. Now, my truck has a 36-gallon tank. When gas is $5 a gallon, hello, somebody. You start learning how to pray in the Spirit. But you just don't splash and go. You see, that's the problem when we hit marriage problems. We want to splash and go. We want to splash and go. 
We don't want to stop. Listen, there's sometimes when your marriage, if you love it, if you're committed to each other, it's worth stopping everything that's happening, everything that's going on spiritually, physically, financially, and focusing only on what it takes to fill up the tank in your marriage. Then you can be on your way again. But see, most people don't want to do that. They're in too big of a hurry. My spouse isn't worth it. My spouse isn't worth quitting my job. I'm going to say married for the kids. You didn't get married for the kids. Oh, we'll just stay married for the kids. You didn't get married because of those kids. You know what you need to do? Stop. Stop. I mean, one guy got so violated me one time because his job was the big issue in their marriage. And I said, you need to quit your job. It's my business. I can't quit my job. Sell that thing. Sell it. Get rid of it. See, you got to stop if you're out of gas. Hello, somebody. That's the first thing you need to do. We're putting everything on pause until we get this right. We're going to stop. And, that, and there's going to be some people who don't understand that. They're not married to your spouse. They don't need to understand it. We're going to spend time with our spiritual leaders. We're going to spend time with a good counselor. We're going to work through these things. We're going to be honest about where we're at so we can understand where we want to go. If you woke up tomorrow and everything was better, what does better look like? And when you can write down what better looks like, then great. Let's form a three-month, six-month, nine-month, one-year plan to get to better. Am I helping you? Stop and put some gas in it. Then you can be back on your way. Let me bring some sobriety to this because a lot of us have been so drunk on love that when we sober up, we realize... 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 is something you need to live in. But let me, let me just share this with you. If you're a believer, the Bible says if any man hates his brother and says he loves God, he's a liar. If you're a believer, you cannot say you love God and you hate your spouse. Have they done some things? Come on, church. I understand it can be hard, especially when things haven't been well in your marriage. But see, I'm talking to you as, not, as someone who, 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 who have, have gone through something. I haven't done it right. I haven't done it perfect. Come on, somebody. Like, I mean, 30 years of marriage, something went wrong somewhere, and I was the reason. I must say it. Marriage is the place where we have the opportunity to give God the chance to do what we don't have the strength to do. Come on, church. What does it look like in your marriage right now? You've been trying to love your spouse but not getting anywhere? Nobody said, amen. Nobody said that. Now, inside, can I say this to us? Here's a universal law. It's not just a spiritual law from the scripture. but The scripture is wise enough to teach us this universal law. You reap what you sow. Tim's going to, he's going to plant corn next year. And he's not going to go out to a field with a handful of corn and just throw that handful of corn in that field and then come harvest time, break out the combine. He don't need it. He don't, he don't need the combine for that. Why? He didn't sow much. You reap what you sow. 
Or you say, well, what about I reap the pain and struggle of what my spouse sowed? That's true, too. But somebody's got to start reaping good seed. Somebody's got, I mean, sowing good seed. So that the both of you, because if you reap the bad, you also reap the good. Come on, somebody. And the more seed you sow, the more you need to combine come harvest time. And I pray that all of us have a harvest in our marriage that's more than we can contain. Not because God just supernaturally grew something that we didn't participate in, but because we sowed into our marriage. Paul knew how hard this was in Galatians chapter 6 when he was saying all these things. He knew. That's why he said at the end of, uh, I think it's verse 9 there in 6, he says, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. If you don't give up. If you don't give up. He knew how hard sowing would be. That's why he says to us at the end, don't give up. It's not easy. Every person in this room knows marriage isn't easy. Marriage is not, marriage is work. Like Simba said, it's like the military. Do more before seven o'clock, before most people do all day. Marriage is not easy, and it shouldn't be. Let me, let me sober you up a little bit more. Let me give you a couple, let me give you a couple more cups of coffee. Hey, amen. Now that you, you stopped being drunk on love. Let me just listen. Right, here's, here's another one. I just don't feel like it. Love your spouse. I just don't feel like it. Be good. Wrestle in your mayor. I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like I just don't feel like it. What other area in your life can you make that excuse and get away with it? Pastor Don's helping you. you. You try that on Monday when it's time to go to work. I just don't feel like it. Don't show up Friday expecting a check. I just don't feel how many How many times have you gone to work when you didn't feel like it? How many times have you loved your kids when you didn't feel like it? How many times have you cleaned the house when you didn't feel like it? Come on, how many times have you done laundry when you didn't feel like it? Come on, see, what other area in our life does that excuse work? It doesn't. Come on, young people. You got your homework's due, last assignment. What do you tell your teacher? I just didn't feel like doing it. How'd that turn out? I I just didn't feel like it. Do you know how many sermons I've written in my life when I didn't feel like writing a sermon? And I'm going to be honest with you, some of those are the best messages I've ever shared. I just didn't feel like it. Do you, you know how many sermons I've literally preached on a Sunday morning by faith? I don't feel like it. I remember Nick King pulled me to the side one Sunday morning and it just boxed my ears. I didn't, someone had hurt my feelings and I was a wreck, all violated. And I remember Nick King pulling me in the corner, tears running down my eyes. This is on a Sunday morning. And I'm like, I'm not preaching today. I'm not doing any of that. And Nick King said, you're not going to let one person ruin all the good you've done. You're going to dry your face. You're going to get up there and do what God's called you to do. Everybody should have a Nick King in their life. I didn't feel like it. Come on, somebody. Do you know how many dates my wife and I have been on when we didn't? I remember one day, it was date day, it was a Friday. I mean, we were, we, it was time to go out the door. And again, someone just 
violated me. Man, I was so mad on a Friday morning. And, and I was just, I mean, I was, I was shaking and in tears. I was just, I can't believe this is happening and all those things. And, and I was, I mean, I was bawling, crying. I got feelings. And my wife just looked at me and she was like, we, we, don't, we don't have to go anywhere. I was like, no, you get in that car and we're going on a date and we're going to have fun. That is a true story. Did you have fun? We did. Part of it because on the way I decided, you know what, just for spite I'm going to have fun today. They tried to ruin my day. To mess up my cornflakes. Some of y'all get that later. I don't feel like it. Try that when it comes to paying your taxes. No, that's not an option. You know why that's not an option? Because marriage is for adults. You can tweet that. Marriage is for adults, and adults get up and put their pants on, and they go about their business. I'm not telling you you just got to suck it up and suffer through a bad marriage for the rest of your life and be in prison and those things. No, change what isn't right. You reap what you sow. Through the word of God and the years of my marriage, the love of Jesus and the love of my wife, I am convinced that if you start pouring out love and forgiveness, grace and honor and respect in your marriage, and you don't give up, you will reap a harvest. I'm convinced of that. Let me say this to you. Your marriage did not become a desert overnight, and it ain't going to become an oasis overnight. Well, what will it look like, Pastor Don? Honestly, I don't know. Because your harvest is different than mine. But here are some dreams. If you'll get back in the game, if you'll seek God, if you'll fight fair, if you'll never give up, if husbands, you will love your wife with a song of Solomon passion. It's biblical, go ahead. I said, it's biblical, go ahead. Go ahead. I dare you. I dare you. Ladies, if you will realize that you are not the problem and you are created to be the answer, you will stop cheapening yourself and realize that God called you the glory of man. If you'll forgive and ask for forgiveness if you'll work through the issues, if you'll surround your marriage with godly friends, if you'll accept your marriage isn't a contract, but it's a covenant, then God will honor your commitment, and this will be the moment your marriage turns around. Pastor Rick looked me in the eye over his glasses, and he said, Don, I don't care if you're only 10% of the problem that's in your marriage. You're responsible for 100% of your 10%. Everybody should have a pastor like that. Let me say this, husbands. 
Let God transform you into a man after his own heart. Come on, worship team. Worship team, come on. Let me say this. Husbands, this is kind of my life motto. I want to passionately love my wife and gently lead my children. And I want to slay everything that gets in the middle of the first two. Husbands, I want to passionately love this woman. She's mine. She is God's answer in my life. And I want to gently lead my children. And I want to slay what gets in the way of the first two. Kill it. You ever see that scripture that says the kingdom of God suffers violence, but violence take it by force? Let me tell you something, gentlemen. You can't play with the things that destroy your life. Kill it. Kill it. Wives, I'm going to say this. You're not the problem. Now, if you're misbehaving, hello somebody, then you are an eye that's out of joint. Wives, you're not the problem. My wife said it best. You are the answer. And you are the glory of your husband. Husbands and wives, married people, let me tell you something. It starts now, today. Decide. Decide. We have been painting a painting. For the last five weeks, and we're going to put the final touches on at week seven. This painting is the painting we've been painting. And so I'm going to ask you to put some paint to canvas. I'm going to ask you to be bold and be honest. I'm going to ask you to be upfront. I'm going to ask you to be unashamed that you're a married person and that you love your marriage. And I'm going to invite you to create, to finish creating the masterpiece of marriage at Firm Foundation Ministries. So my challenge is this. You and I, God's masterpiece. Today is November 27th. 2022 and they everybody say us everybody say me my marriage everybody say my marriage and they lived happily ever after if you are a married couple in here this morning I'm not asking you to be perfect your marriage does not have to be perfect I'm asking you to be willing as a married people to let your marriage be perfected in your journey together with God And as a symbol of faith, I'm going to ask you, as the worship team is singing and we're worshiping, and I know this may take a few minutes, that's why I want to be done early. I'm going to ask you to come forward and sign. Come here, babe. This canvas. This will be the most unique painting in all of the world. Why? Because there's only one. No other one of these paintings will have, are you with me? Don and Lisa Smith. I've provided some paints. Yes, you can come down. 
I provided some pins. And here's what I want to do. Doug, will you come help me? I'm going to set this painting on the floor. I'm going to ask you to come. Be patient with each other. Right? Take a pen. And sign this painting of husband and wife. And as a symbol for everybody who comes into our church from this day forward, they're going to see our masterpiece. They're going to see how much we love marriage. Amen? And so will you stand with me in this place? Your marriage doesn't have to be perfect. You're going to be going through some hard things. You can be going through some things that you think, hey, hey, I don't know if we're going to make it. Sign it. Do something of faith. Let, let your struggle motivate you to action. I want us to be patient with each other. Those of us who are waiting, let's worship while we're waiting. Amen. Because I believe God is in this. And so, Father, in this place right now, God, as this church takes a moment at the altar. Lord, we take an action of faith, something to motivate us to say, our marriage is a masterpiece. And we want to declare that out loud. And we want our masterpiece not to be hidden in a closet. But we want it to be displayed for your glory and for your honor. And Lord, we pray that not only will it remind us each and every time we come to